0: From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD 4 Tucson.
1: The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 1049 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry. On the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719 1490.
0: Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas drinking, piston clanking, air polluting, smoke belching four wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your songs, huh? Good morning, Southern Arizona, and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here in beautiful Tucson, Arizona, where it did get a little bit of rain last night, and I really appreciate that. You know, it like scared me to death. I jumped up. I run outside. I run to the mailbox and looked at the address on the mailbox to make sure that it did have my right, (laughs) that it was my house. Oh, it was great. It was great. It rained just enough to where when I went out to the mailbox and come back, it was over. I got nine drops of water out of my rain gauge. But, hey, better than nothing, today it's supposed to be a little warm again. Uh, They're talking about it was really, really bad. So, you know, uh, the, the temperature, but I remember in the 90s, I drove through Phoenix and it was 118 degrees. I drove, I was there when that happened. So it's really not unusual to have hot weather. Welcome to the desert. I just wish we had a little bit more rain, and it looks like we're going to get some probably tomorrow. So anyway, keep the faith. We'll have some water. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. Along with me riding shotgun this morning is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs. Jim, are you on
1: board yet? I'm on Jerry. Good morning. Remember, it's Super Good safe Saturday. I'm on the radio with you. That means slow down, move over, <laughs> drive, drive with respect. Don't don't do anything stupid. You know, the standard stuff. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, we try. Hey,
0: We're gonna say did you get in, time, did Washington. you get rain last night?
1: No. no Jim, I didn't even did get you get rain last here. night? I, I didn't even get oh, nine okay. drops. Yeah. So I'm jealous. Well, I I'm guess very we'll jealous just have of, to of you and your nine drops.
0: Well, what was so funny about it is my irrigation system on was watering alone at the same time it was raining. And I thought, I need to go out and turn that thing off. And I said, nope, not as long as it does what it normally does. Sure enough, <laughs> the irrigation went off just about the same time the water quit. <laughs> So I did get everything watered anyway. All right, well, that's good. It it rained. It rained, and I'm I'm sure that everybody had the windshield wipers uh, changed because it rained just enough to where you would uh, need the windshield wipers for about five minutes out here on the far east. But as far as around town, don't know. Haven't heard any weather, any weather coming through, or anything other than the normal stuff. You know, there's one unique thing about weather. We're going to have weather. It may rain. It may not rain. Sun may shine. It may not shine. It may be cloudy. But we're going to have weather. And if you don't like what we're having right now, just stick around and it'll change. You know, that's that's the good thing about weather. And it's interesting to watch. But it, uh, it's no sense in you know having a heart attack about it. It is what it is. Mother Nature's quite a lady. So we'll just hang in there. Uh, all right, Jim. What's going on on the roads, buddy? What's what what are you seeing out there? Give a traffic update oh.
1: today. Uh, well, <laughs> traffic is uh, is flowing along as normal. People are you know people are still struggling with the the high gas prices. We hear it daily about uh, you know it's cheaper to uh, I'll do anything other than fill my car up. Um, see, we're seeing a slight reduction in, in uh, people wanting to get vehicles moved just because the because the fuel cost. Um, but right. th- for the most part, um, nothing uh, other than you know the standard. We're, you know the standard. I, I'm not listening to Jim on the Saturday, so I'm crashing my car anyway. I I I don't know what to tell you guys. You know <laughs> you know I, I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> just try not to crash your car today. Um, we, we're get we are still getting uh, quite a few uh, breakdowns with um, with uh, overheats. You know, cars that are overheating. the The uh, 108 does not help you very much. Also, 108 with no. uh, with high humidity, you know, makes cooling systems just scream. Scream help me. Um, so, you know, if you haven't checked your antifreeze or if you haven't had it serviced in a long time, please get it looked at. Corrosion is, through radiator systems, is highly rampant. Lifetime antifreeze will last the lifetime of the antifreeze, not the lifetime of you or the car. So if you think that you never have to touch it again, well... Then you just call me. I'm I'm good with it. You know that's it's okay. You can call me. Then you can call Jerry. Say hey, I I I had this lifetime antifreeze and it lasts. It doesn't it doesn't work anymore. It's because it lasted. It's lifetime, not yours. I guess that's maybe that's just a misnomer, Jerry. Maybe the lifetime antifreeze. They didn't tell you that it was the antifreeze lifetime, not your lifetime. So, uh, but uh, well, we it play it, out that way. We see it play out that way. So it, 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 maybe yeah. So
0: maybe maybe people some, are of the things, that. some of the things that's going to affect the cooling system is one is a dirty radiator or plug radiator or plugged air, air conditioning condenser up front. Uh and it's gonna slow down. When you need the cooling the most, it's not gonna be working at a hundred percent. So you watch your temperature gauge or your idiot light climb up the pole. And then first thing you know you got an overheat problem and I I know it's it's kind of hard to handle something like that but when you get an overheat problem and it goes up like that what you want to do this is this is one of those things to keep from cooking your motor is you roll the windows down about a foot on each side turn the heat on wide open and get the rest of the water that's in the cooling system to actually circulate and that'll add additional water to it, and that's a it, it 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 won't move the needle more than a couple of degrees, but it depends on where you're at when it moves that needle, and it becomes critical for the ones that haven't had that radiator serviced or the coolant changed in the last couple of years. Uh, if you have a lifetime cooling system, and you buy the car and you said, okay, I don't have to worry about the cooling system for a lifetime. Well, don't. If, As Jim just said, very gracefully, we still think it's probably the lifetime of the antifreeze because Tucson, Arizona, and uh, the western states is really, really critical on cooling systems. And the more you circulate it, we use AC almost 365 days a year here. And you're working at stuff overtime. You're working your air conditioning system over time. If you don't maintain these things, when they blow out, break, quit, you're going to be in a world of, world of trouble. The other thing that is real critical is your water transportation system, the rubber hoses. All of that is a player with the cooling system. If one goes out, all of a, I don't care if you've got 20 miles on a vehicle, if that cooling system, if the hose breaks on a lifetime cooling system, you need to have it fixed, but you also need to change your service intervals on your antifreeze. The manufacturers are recommended every two years, 24,000 miles or 24,000 miles on the cooling system to keep the coolant fresh and doing what it's supposed to do. So if you lose a hose, you've got, you're have got you driving a GM, a Toyota, a Ford, or whatever that's got the, quote, quote, whatever, lifetime system, cooling system, cooling in it, you want to change that stuff out two years, 24,000 miles. Guys driving the diesels out there, believe it or not, that thing is two years, 24,000 miles on a diesel. And some of your diesels have two radiators. They have a double cooling system in them. And you just can't, just because it's out of sight, out of mind, and it's not heating up today, if you want to keep it that way, you need to service these vehicles. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. It's just a pain in the butt. But it's a bigger pain in the butt when you blow a head gasket or uh, you're stuck out on the side of the road because everything gets expensive then because normally when a car stops on the side of the road because of heating, Everything has expanded to the point that the car does not want to rotate. The motor, the engine does not want to rotate. It's going to stop you on the side of the road. Then you're going to be calling Frontier Towing at 748-1100 to pick this vehicle up and bring it in. That is not going to be a cheap repair. I'll tell you that right now. So what you want to do is stay on top of it. Keep that radiator clean. You can do that at your house with a garden hose. you push it, the bugs and debris come in from the front of the vehicle back to the rear. That's how the wind flows when you're going down the road. So what you want to do is back it out. Go to the inside of the hood and put the water hose on it. Spray some uh, simple grain or something on the outside of the radiator. Let it sit for a couple of minutes and then back flush it. You're you're just water Water to the fins of the radiator And push it back out Across the front bumper If you can do that You'll be surprised I've seen as much as 18 degrees Just for that That you can actually lower the temperature Now we don't have wind in Arizona I mean last night It was coming through at about 25-30 miles an hour And it had dust in it And debris And if you're out on the road uh, let's say you're going to Phoenix and you're running 75 miles an hour, and now with a little bit of moisture, the bugs have increased between here and Phoenix. Especially when you get around Casa Grande area, where all the fields are, you've got bug guts and bug <laughs> bug juice in your radiator, and or and your air conditioner, the air conditioning condenser. And you've got that. It's plugging it up. It's restricting the flow going through the fins, therefore not allowing the condenser or the radiator to do its job. So just stick a hose in there and flush it back flush it out, keep it clean, and you're good to go. And then I've heard this story. Well, when I take it to the car wash, they, uh, they use a high-pressure one, and they go in and they spray it. Yeah, they spray it from front right on through. So what you've got hanging on the outside of these little skinny fins in these radiators and A.C. condensers, condensers it tries to push that garbage on through, and it piles it up. Outside will look clean. inside's going to be dirty. You can't do it that way. It doesn't work. And when you go to a car wash and you say, well, I've got this one, and it's got uh, only 1,300 PSI, I'll put that on the front of this condenser, and I'll push that stuff through. You're dreaming because it doesn't work that way, and if you use a high-pressure wine on these little fins, they will bend over, they block even further, and then you spend about a good Saturday with a comb or a pocket knife or something trying to straighten these little fins out so that the air can flow through freely on the front of them. This is a partial problem. Everything on the car from the engine oil to the coolant to the water pump uh, to the thermostat, everything is a player on cooling this engine. If you start taking a little bit from a radiator being able to flow, uh, air through it and cool it down, or a a thermostat that's operating halfway where it'll come open halfway and then it'll shut down premature before it cools down – or you've got dirty oil, which is so dirty that it won't dissipate. It won't pick up the heat from the inside, transfer it out. and Or you have an engine that has a coat, blanket coat of grease, oil, and road debris on the outside of it. That's putting a blanket on the engine. Uh, For the people listening to me that's back on the East Coast, uh, farm tractors, construction outfits, construction vehicles and stuff, this is a problem. Because you get that debris on the outside of the block, and then it doesn't allow the heat to dissipate from the outside of the block. Everything is a player. Your transmission fluid, if it's dirty, it does not dissipate the heat the way it's supposed to. That's the reason you keep these things serviced. If it's liquid and it's in a car, change it. Just get in a habit of servicing it. It's just like uh, uh, Scott over at Parker when he was on the show. He said, do a little bit of maintenance all time, a little bit of maintenance. Remember that garden hose I was telling you about? That's a little bit of maintenance that you can do yourself. You don't have to take it into Parker Automotive. You don't have to take it into uh, uh, Brian Fuller, the automotive specialist. You don't have to take it into Simmons. You just have to listen. Take that garden hose. Put your thumb over the end of it. Don't use any high pressure spray a little something on the front end of the of the uh condenser radiator you can use dawn dishwashing liquid but you don't you don't use dawn dishwashing liquid or anything heavy on the paint you want to go into the radiator spray it down let the liquid start dissipating breaking down the dirt and stuff and then back flush it and it you'll push it out on the ground i've done it down at the barn with a little 300 PSI uh, uh, sprayer, and I took it off uh, just to flush it back through. And it was amazing what came out of a radiator. And to look at the front of the radiator, it didn't look that bad. And the lady's truck that I was doing it on, her buddy was helping me with the project around the house, and she was there, and I said, well, let's do this. And she just sat there, and she said, where did all this crap come from? I said it was hidden inside your radiator, and since we did that, her little issue with it the, the heat climbing when she's towing her trailer went away and that was that was a good one. That was one of the better ones thermostats that thermostat is probably one of the hardest working pieces that you have in your car that's totally ignored because it's buried inside of a housing. They can get lazy. They can get tired. They cannot open as quick as they should. They can stick open when they do. When they stick open, it doesn't allow the water to be retained inside the block, and it doesn't give the radiator long enough to cool down the water that was just transferred from the block to the radiator. So this has to be paid attention to. In fact, when you flush your engine... Uh, Every two years, uh, get all of that antifreeze out. There is so many flush machines out there now that can flush all the antifreeze out, and then you replace it with the like antifreeze. In other words, whatever it had in there is what you want to put back. Don't go to mixing the brown with the green because it doesn't work. If you mix anything, if you mix brown, uh, green with brown, where you had brown in it, like the GM, You've got to make sure that everything in that engine trans- water transportation system has flushed out completely clean. If not, you're going to create an acid inside your cooling system, and that starts working on the metal components, water pumps, uh, radiators, and then you really have a problem. So when you flush it, don't make sure you use the recommended antifreeze for that system when you put it back together. Anything that has a, hoses on it, hoses last about four to five years. Uh, if you've got one that's about six or seven years old, you say, okay, well, it's running real good. Well, it's running real good in Tucson, Arizona. That's providing that everything else is the way it's supposed to be. Then it gives this thing a chance. There's a buildup of electricity, believe it or not. With water circulating, it creates a little electrical current. When it gets inside that hose, it works from the hose on the inside of the hose outward. That's the reason you'll see these little bumps uh, look like a, a snake swallowed a frog or something like that on the radiator hoses. When you have that hood up, you're tracking that. You see one of those little bumps, don't you dare grab it. You grab that thing, you can't tell and I can't tell when it's going to blow up in your face. This happened to a buddy of mine going to the lakes. Got over on the north side of Tucson, had a little heat problem, raised the hood, check it, and he said, oh, it's got a little lump here. He knows better than to touch it. Well, he didn't go to the lakes that weekend. He spent a few hours in the doctor's office or medical or emergency room uh, with uh, second-degree burns. That, that That is dangerous. If you're going to play on something like that, it needs to be cold. When you spot it, don't try to rush through it. It's going to cool down when it darn well pleases, and there's nothing you're going to do to help it. One of the things you can do if you've got one like that, you let the vehicle idle. The vehicle idling will circulate the water inside the system and bring the temperature down at idle if everything is working right. So if not, shut the darn thing off and go have a cup of coffee. You know, have a glass of iced tea or something and wait till it cools down. And when you touch the hose, do not touch it where the it's eating a frog, but go down and touch it on the top of the block where the hose comes out of the block. And that way you'll be safe. But they will blow up. I have seen it over and over. Of course, I've been in business 47 years. So I've seen a lot of this stuff, and I'm telling you from experience, don't do it. And I've seen guys take off hot radiator caps on overheat with no, no hoses eating frogs. You take off the radiator cap. No, don't do it when that engine's hot. That thing's got about 17 pounds of scalding water inside that cap. When you take it off it starts it the second you release the cap pressure, it starts blowing water everywhere, so don't do it don't just don't do it and if you'll do that uh you'll be way ahead well it you won't get hurt, and if you keep your radiator service on a regular basis a two thousand twenty four uh two year twenty four thousand miles like manufacturers recommend after the lifetime system has been uh, compromised, then you should be okay. But on the diesels, if you want to cheat, go right ahead. Simmons works on diesels, um, on the midsize diesels, the Cummins, Duramax, Power Strokes. So does Parker. So does automotive specialists. And when you come in and that radiator costs seven hundred and fifty dollars just for the radiator, then you got the labor on top of that, and then you got about a fifty five gallon drum of coolant's gotta go back in the system, uh, it will get your attention. The only thing you can do and you cross your fingers, it is let me let me clarify something too. It's not a hundred percent, people. It's not a hundred percent. You can go two or twenty four thousand miles, you you may still have a problem. We don't know what it was doing prior to you going to the two-year 24,000 miles. Some of the the radiators now, a lot of them, in fact, they have plastic uh, radiator heads on them, tanks, and then that degrades. Even with the fluid in it, you can have something as simple as a, a seal bust, and you go out and you'll have a plastic tank cracked, And that's UVs. Welcome to Arizona. That'll eat it up. That's the reason you have to go in for regular maintenance, uh, put it on your schedule, not the truck or car schedule. Go in and get that stuff checked out. An oil service, when you do an oil service, you do it at a reputable shop, they're going to check all this stuff and see what kind of condition your condition is in and let you know in writing so that you'll be able to head this stuff off before it gets serious. Jim,
1: anything you want to add to that? Oh, just uh, you said something that kind of made me think about uh, the cooling uh, antifreeze. Um, you were talking; you are discussing the height uh, of uh, the high temperatures that we have here, and it made me made me realize that you know coolant is a product it's like your cell phone has a specific operating parameters. If you take your cell phone, and you leave it in your car, you try to go turn it on, you get this little note, it either's dead off or you get a little note your your phone's too hot. I'm pretty sure we've all seen that. Cool is the same thing. It has specific oh, yeah. operating pr- parameters that it works within. We in Arizona live at the edge of the operating parameters. So because yep. the, it's so hot outside the ability for the coolant to do its job is at the very far end, at the very high end. So, wh- what happens is, as Jerry was saying, is that you get that you get that corrosion. It's because the the additives in the in the coolant wear out cool- just a little bit faster. So they they break down because they're they're just they're operating at the very highest workload they can they can have. So just it wears out. Why everybody recommends changing it at two years? The yep. so the 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 chemicals in new cars that protect the the what is it? The new uh, the O rings, the the silicone O rings that used to never exist. The the aluminum and steel, the aluminum heads against steel blocks, uh, and much tighter tolerances in in engine building that occurs. So all those things are protected by good coolant, and when the coolant goes bad, uh, what ha- when the when the when the chemicals in the coolant wear out, they can no longer do their prote- job of protecting your motor. So it's real simple. The reason why we change them is to protect the engine on the entire cooling system. That's the hoses, the the radiators, uh, the engine, all the little passages that are going to get plugged up. How many passes? How many times have you seen a rusted uh, engine, Jerry? Where where you where? There's no way the head could get cooled because it's because the antifreeze was never changed and it's just completely plugged. Probably seen it a bunch of times, and it happens because oh, you yeah. have to pay oh, attention yeah. to this stuff. And it's it's I get it. it. It antifreeze is fifteen bucks a gallon. Used to be six. Now it's fifteen. Okay, so it takes four gallons. Now, say it takes five okay that's 65 70 dollars uh, radiators are 200 thermostats are probably what thirty, forty, 40 plus the install motors are four or five yep. thousand it's a simple Yep. it's a simple change out even even when you take it and get it serviced it's it's a few it's a few hundred dollars maybe maybe it's three hundred dollars maybe if you do the the exchange, the you know, the antifreeze exchange, you know, you don't you know where they just take antifreeze old antifreeze out and put new antifreeze like in the antifreeze exchange. Um at that little bit of help, a little bit of maintenance on that goes a long way. And you're not gonna stop the the chemical antifreeze from breaking down because it's gonna go outside of its parameters and it will no longer function as it's designed. And remember, it's just like every other product built on the planet. It has specific per- parameters it operates within, and eventually, they wear out, just like oil, just like tires.
0: That's, That's right. what I got to say about that. That's exactly right. Good. Now, on the um, when when we're looking at the belts, the rubber components, we're we're talking about rubber. We're talking about the water transportation system. We're talking about uh, V-belts. We're talking about serpentine belts. We're talking about timing belts, which timing belts, you need to start looking at them around 60,000. They'll go anywhere from 60,000 to 90,000. Yeah, they'll go up. I, I, I did a Toyota one time that uh, I'll swear to God, my fishing line that I use for fishing had as much resistance as this belt. The only thing I've seen on this little Toyota, and this was driven by a 17-year-old girl. If she'd have been a hot rodder, she'd have been sitting on somebody's tow hook. That thing was the worst I have ever seen. When we took it off, you could ball it up and put it in your hand and close your hand. It was just like fishing twine. It was horrible. And we thought, okay, now with the close tolerance heads that they have now, If you lose the timing belt, and it makes contact with a valve on top of the piston, you can have a little bit of damage, or you can have catastrophic damage, which means that you punched a hole in the piston, now it's got to come apart, the whole engine. So the belt, start looking at that thing, have somebody inspect it. You know, if you get one, it's not uncommon to see them with 100,000 miles on it, and the belt's never been changed chained on the uh, timing belt, uh, that's something that you need to pay attention to. And I've heard all the war stories that you can throw at me. I, I haven't heard anything original in probably 30 years. But it's it's new technology. A lot of them got away from belt and they've gone back to um, chains. They have chains. So if you want to wear a chain out, like in an uh, EcoBoost, twin-turbo EcoBoost, just use the wrong oil or not, or have you, uh, use the wrong engine oil, engine lube, and don't change it. And then you'll be looking at about a thirty-eight, thirty-nine dollars 3900 bill for them to go in a time, uh, change the timing chain, and that's at around 80 to 135, 140,000 miles, somewhere in that range. And that is pretty daggone drastic. We see older cars come through the shop. We've got, just like Fuller has, Fuller's got, uh, had a Honda come through there. It's got over 400,000 400, miles on it. The guy is religious on his preventive maintenance. And if you take care of them, they will last. But if you don't take care of it, it's, oh, you know, it's, it calls for a, uh uh, the manufacturer says change oil at 10,000 miles, and I'm telling you, it's Tucson, Arizona. You go to the severe duty recommendations in the owner's manual, or you can Google it and find out what the severe duty is, and that's what you want to use in Tucson, Arizona. And the people who drive around town said, "Well, I only use this thing for about you know maybe an hour a week to go grocery shopping, and then I'm back at the house. I don't care." you still have to maintain the thing because you're not driving it enough to keep all the parts lubricated and to keep the downstream clear for the build-up in the catalytic converter. And, you know, you're not running it long enough. And uh, I've heard used to, they called engine um, additives snake oil. They called it snake oil, okay? Well, a little bit about that snake oil. It's come a long ways, baby. And the... Gasoline formalization has changed so much. It went from protecting the back of the valves to protecting the fuel injection system, and it, everything has changed. When the manufacturers now say, "Add a can of gasoline treatment, part number blah 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 blah," at every oil service. Well, if you have a five thousand oil service, that's yeah, that's good. You can you can do that. Okay, that that takes care of about around six months of driving based on 12000 a year. And if you do that, every oil change, but if you go the 10,000-mile oil change uh, and you say, okay, you've got 10,000 miles on the brain, and you're going to do this, you're going to add a can every ten thousand miles. I'll guarantee you that that can, that you're going to pour in that tank as good as it they are out there now, will not do the job as complete. You're going to have some hard carbon still sticking on that thing. It's going to cause you problems. Carbon is in every combustible engine. There is no blocking it. That's just part the nature of the beast. So when you service it on a regular basis, you keep your stuff moving, you keep it out of the engine. You have a better running, more dependable, less expensive to maintain a vehicle. Now, I've, I've told you this so many times I can't even remember. People who maintain your vehicle save 40 to 50% over the life of the this vehicle. The one that has a preventive maintenance problem, uh, program, and they they stay with it. You stay with your oil changes when they are due, you stay with your radiator flushes when they're due, and like I said, anything has an exception. Everything can have an exception to the rule. You know, uh, hey, I lost a radiator on an O six Dodge, and I'm going to tell you something. You couldn't service that O six Dodge any more than we were servicing it until I looked at the record. We had serviced everything, but we didn't do the regular service on the Enterprise. Note to self, remember to do the service. (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind, you don't drive it that much, no big deal. It never overheated or anything like that. It didn't even overheat when he had the radiator leak. But it had a cracked tank on the radiator. It wasn't in a stress point. It was just cracked across the end of it across the tank it didn't crack around the bottom it cracked across the top of the tank so the best maintenance but you've got to remember there's a lot of maintenance items on that thing so when you're working it you have to make sure that you do your homework and make sure that you send us on in to the text okay well by the way you know go ahead and uh, yeah we need to check this a little extra uh, pay attention to cooling on the diesels because, like I said, <laughs> diesel radiators are very expensive. So if you'll do that, then you should be should be running pretty clear. Water pumps, yes, water pumps. Water pumps do not have a lifetime expectancy on them, so you need to watch those. How about the fan clutches on these uh forward-facing engines. They have fan clutches. Some of them have electronics on the radiator itself. So, But you have to make sure that you're all working. And the fan clutch is only good for about 100,000 miles if you service everything else because you can't service a fan clutch on the front of a, a vehicle. So at about 100,000 miles, before you get ready to go to Kentucky or something like that out of Tucson, you might want to have that fan clutch changed before you get out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden especially it'll it'll start showing up around town because you don't have the road speed to force the air through the radiator like you do on a freeway, so when you get off of the freeway, you're running cool, you get in town, you're running hotter, and that tells you that there is a problem, and it's probably and I've seen people change everything in the cooling system except the fan clutch. And you reach in there and grab that fan clutch and spin it with your finger when the engine's not running. And you can, um, well, if it's got 100,000 miles on, it's got a fan clutch on it, in my book, you need to change it because it has lost the rotation and the ability to lock in and pull. Ford come out a few years ago with their big engines, and uh, one was a diesel. The diesel engine runs 80% locked in all time, all right? Now, the gasoline engine does not. So what would happen is the gasoline engine, would the fan clutch would wear out, and it was very gradual, and then all of a sudden you had a problem. And people replaced everything in the cooling system before they actually took a look at the odometer and took a look at the clutch on the front of it, and that was that was what the problem was. And it's good that they serviced the whole thing and got everything up to snuff, but they didn't complete it. They even changed the thermostats. And some of your vehicles now have twin thermostats on them, so you've got to know what you're working with. That's where you get a good quality shop like Parker Automotive, Automotive Specialist, or Simmons, and have them dig it out. Find out what the problem is. Find it, then fix it, instead of just throwing parts at it. Too much money is wasted on parts by people not reading an entire article, or, trying to shortcut something, oh, I'll just change a it. well, it's got a blown head gasket. How do you know it's got a blown head gasket? There's all sorts of stuff made chemically that you can pour in a radiator, and you can actually see if it's got a blown head gasket in a radiator, so it's you've got all you can see it. The biggest thing with a blown head gasket when you start an engine up and it's cold. You take the radiator cap off and you look down the radiator. This is one of the old stuff old timer stuff that we used to use on this if it's once it heats up and it will heat up, <coughs> you will have a stream of bubbles coming up inside the neck that you can actually see it comes up inside the radiator. Remember there is it's not supposed to be there all right. So then you can check. You can pull a, you can pull a spark plugs out of it, go down the side and find out where the head gasket is leaking and what cylinders it's leaking because it'll leave a different color on the spark plug, like a, a a brown rust, a light brown rust, and it'll be clean where the water has sprayed in there and the steam with the compression it's cleaned to carbon off the spark plug. So there's numerous ways that you can, if you're dancing with this. The biggest thing on a cooling system problem is don't get in a hurry and don't assume. Prove it out, then go in and fix it. Prove it, find out where it's coming from. But don't forget the thermostats on these radiators. When you're flushing a radiator, it's a good good habit to get into. Go ahead and put that $22 thermostat or $32 thermostat in while you're flushing or after you flush your radiator that's clean now all right let's let's find out what that thermostat's doing pull it out and put the correct thermostat back in it do not change the temperature on the reading of a thermostat if it calls for 190 you put a 190 in it if it calls for 180 you put a 180 in it the old uh, system where okay, well you know it's running a little hot. I'm going to change the thermostat from a 190 down to a 160 because that's what you used to do in your 55 Chevrolet. It don't work. You got computer controls. They read the temperature on these engines. Everything's controlled by temperature. Your fuel delivery system is controlled by temperature. We used to run race cars. If it got hot, if it was running hot, what we'd do is we'd give it some more fuel and cool it down with the fuel. That's on a racetrack. That's not running to the Circle K or going from here to Phoenix and back. So a lot of stuff to it. There's more to it than it actually sounds like it is. And I hope that you have uh, got just enough information to research it. Uh, Make sure that when you go through, don't open a hot, cooling system. I don't care what I don't care what your time factor is, don't open a hot cooling system because your time factor is gonna really be extended if you do. You've got to allow for the trip to the emergency room because you just blew up all over your face and in your arms and stuff. Uh no, let's don't do that, okay? You're talking about super safe Saturday. Let's have a for the weekend warriors out there working on these vehicles, be be very careful on that. And while I'm on safety on the vehicle, when you are uh, working under your car, if you don't have four stands, or if it's the back wheels are on the ground, you make sure you have two stands up front that are rated to carry the load, and you set it down on those stands, and then you get it, you grab a hold of a fender, and you see if you can shake that car off of those stands. Sounds stupid. It's not. So, And if you can't shake it off those stands, then you're pretty safe. If you put four stands under it, you only need to take the tires up about two inches off the ground. Then you shake it to see if it's solid. Set it on the stands. Make sure it's solid. I was driving down the road here a few years ago, and I seen a guy working on an old Thunderbird he had it jacked up on the side of the road with a floor jack on the center of the differential. The floor jack had already sunk in on the left side from the way I was approaching the vehicle. And this floor jack was sitting there crooked on the differential, and that guy was under the car. I couldn't help myself. I stopped it, and I went out there, and I tapped the guy on the foot, and I said, you want to come out from under there a minute? I want to show you something. And he come out. And I identified myself, so they had a little bit of credibility. And I said, step back here and look at your floor jack. I said, I'll bet you $1,000 to a donut. I can push that fender, and that floor jack will rotate over to the side where you were laying and drop that thing on the ground. And he says, I think you might be right. And I said, no, I know I'm right. Don't get on that thing unless you've got stands. Get this. He said, I've got two stands in the back of the car. Mm. Duh. You know, <laughs> come on, people. Don't kill yourself. Don't kill yourself. Don't get in a hurry. Think it through. Mm. There's not a house in Tucson, Arizona that hasn't been built based on a blueprint and a plan. A plan. And so you automobiles are the same way. You can't fix one unless you have a plan to fix it. You can't go under a car. If we catch you over at the shop going under on an unsafe condition, we penalize you. If we catch you twice in a day, we'll send you home. And then if you do it, uh, hopefully you don't get to the third time because then you'll be replaced. We we can't, I'm not going to call your parents or your wife or whoever and say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, because Jerry was stupid. He, uh, he jacked one up, and it fell on him. And, yes, we did have one sitting on a hook one time. We had it up in the air. He put the stands under it. And, okay, so he put the stand, we sent him putting the stands under it. He knows to put the stands under it, set it, set the stands, put the weight on the stands, then go under. He decided that it was stout enough. He had the stands sitting under about three inches before it made contact with the frame. That hook on the front of that uh, thing that we had it hooked to, it broke. And when it broke, that vehicle bounced down onto the stands, and it broke his ankle. And that was just, he was lucky that he had the stands under there because it would have probably did more than just break an ankle. But it bounced and broke an ankle. So don't play games with safety when you're working on a vehicle. You lose. You get away with it one time, all of a sudden here's your confidence factor, and you go up and say, oh, I I can do this because I did it six months ago and it worked just fine. No. When you put a a jack under a car, it's got to be solid when you're going up with it. Don't get under the car, because if the jack falls or rolls forward or something, it'll drop the vehicle, and then you're in trouble. The same way with pulling a tire off on the side of the freeway. If you're pulling a tire off on the side of the freeway, and you've got your little jack on the side of the car, okay, so I got it jacked up. You take the lug nuts off of a tire. You pull the tire off from the bottom out. And when you put it back on, it goes from the top of the tire, goes on first to the inside, then you push the bottom tire in. That's because if the car rotates off the jack or falls off the jack, the tire will be forced to the inside of the wheel well instead of inside your lap. So that is real critical when you're out on the side of the freeway, especially because the road's going to be hot, you're going to be in a hurry. Your brain's going to fall out. Don't let that brain fall out. You just remember, top goes, comes out last and goes in first, the top of the tire. If you'll do this, I don't care if you're working on a dually or whatever you're doing, that's the way they go on. That's the way they come off. All right, now I'm, doing, I'm done with my safety stuff. Jim?
1: Yes, sir. So uh, when, <laughs> when, you're, when on, the jack thing is, you know, it almost made me chuckle because I can't tell you how many I've picked up out of car vehicles I've picked out of driveways that have fallen off jacks. Jack them up, take tires off, falls off the jack, it's sitting on the ground. Sitting on the ground, you can't get jack back underneath it. So now <laughs> you go out there and pick it up, the jack stands back underneath it. Um, the other thing... So yeah, that, those jacks stands are really, really critical. You need to put them on there and, and secure it. That is the best advice that I've heard in a long time, Jerry. Also, um, hood props. You know, if when you open your hood and you're going to do extended work on, on checking the oil or checking whatever, looking for belts and hose, oh, and then you're going to have the gosh. hood open for, for, for 20, 30 minutes, check the gas cylinders that hold the hood up because – over time, they actually wear out and fail. Now, normally, it just you pick it up and they won't hold so it falls down. So you know that there's going to be a failure. But sometimes they're in that in-between point where, you know, you're sitting there and um, you're looking under the hood and all of a sudden it just lets go and it knocks you on the, on the noggin. And you are going to be one upset person. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you are going to be one oh. mad person because that really hurts. Um, yes, and, it and does. hatches are the same way. Hatches, rear hatches are the same way. So, you know, part of the preventive maintenance, check the hatch. I mean, I know they're expensive. They're thirty-five, forty dollars a throw. But boy, I'll tell you what, if that thing doesn't hit you in the back, you're going to be, you're going to take the forty dollars and be glad that you spent it, just not to get hit. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: So the, I have
0: a broom handle I have a broom handle You have
1: a broom handle Right I have a
0: broom handle uh, That when I go under the hood And I'm going to be there for more than five seconds And I'm going to be under the hood uh, That broom handle is put in a corner Where that I can't kick it Or hit it accidentally with my hand To keep that hood off my head While I'm there Because a lot of your hoods now Like on my Dodge I mean the grill and stuff You raise it up all of that mass is up there, and that you don't want coming down because the the least you're going to get out of it is a bunch of cuts and bruises, and hopefully you don't have anything else in a critical place like uh, where you get broken fingers and stuff like that. So uh, I use a broom handle. I've got a broom handle It's about five foot tall, and I angle a broom handle in there, and then I check it to make sure it is stable, I do the same thing that broom handle. I do to Jacks. I grab a hold of that son of a gun and I shake it to see if it's going to stay where I put it. So, but this is, you know, a few years of actual experience of working on these things and seeing just about everything under the moon that can bite you, hit you. Um, that's like using the wrong tool when you're trying to take a bolt out of a of something like an alternator. And all of a sudden, you use a—it's it, a wrong size wrench that you're using on there, or you're using an adjustable wrench when it needs to be a six-point socket, and you bust your knuckles open. You know they make gloves now that are pretty doggone. You will get a bruise from it, but it won't cut your knuckle off. And the other thing is people working under the hood while the engine is running. And when you're working on the hood, when the engine is running, most of your old-timers, and I'm, I use that word with all the respect in the world, they can work under there, and they have been there, done it so many times, they pretty much know where the danger points are. The danger points on the hood, what, what can you possibly think under the hood could hurt you? How about an alternator that's still running and spinning, and you stick a... Uh, you know you wanna you you wanna check to see if you hear any bearing noise, so you take a stethoscope and you put it on top of the uh alternator and it rolling well you've got that thing hooked in your ears and all of a sudden you get it over to the front side and it gets into that little wind fan that's got on these alternators now, and it sucks that thing right off boy that 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 that'll that'll do a number on your hearing. As far as, one, it it hurts when you jerk those earplugs out, and it's just not good. Another one is be careful when you're under there with your hands. Uh, long hair. If you've got long hair, a lot of people have long hair. I know places where if you have long hair, you have to wear hair nets. We say you've got to have it rolled up. you got to have it, the little things around it to keep it out of the fan. You're working in there the hair gets down, all of a sudden, whack, it's got you. These these are things that really, really happen. And so the guys that have the long beards that go down to about the third button on their shirt, you're not going to get me under the hood with a beard that long. They have a tendency to trim your beard for you when you're not looking. That fan under there, If it's got a bad clutch fan, you can actually start the engine. You take that little broom handle I was telling you about, put it in there, and see what kind of resistance you have on that broom handle, not your fingers. You can actually hold the fan while the engine is running. And then they go, oh, oh. One way to check on the fans before I forget it, if you have a fan clutch, take a look in there with a flashlight because it's going to be just a little bit darker than you particularly care for. And the fluid inside the thermal fluid inside of a fan clutch is clear. And you can shine it down on the front of a clutch assembly and see if it's got any leaks. If it's got a leak on the front of that fan clutch, it is not supposed to have a leak on front of the fan. So You want to replace it. If you reach into the fan and you grab the top of the fan and you move it from the firewall to the front bumper, in and out, just in and out, it will move a little bit, which means about a 32nd of an inch. If it starts moving a quarter of an inch, a half inch, that fan clutch is junk. Pull it off and put your new one on there. Be careful when you put a fan clutch on a big diesel or or anything like that, you do not want the inexpensive fan clutches. What I do is I go to the manufacturer, O E manufacturer, and I get a fan clutch. I bought a super heavy duty one from a motorhome had a 400 motor in it. I put it in in Tucson, Arizona. It went out the other side of Phoenix. I turned back around. It was on a holiday. There was no place to buy another one. <laughs> I drove that son of a gun back to Tucson, and it was so hot, my wife, I had to cover off the inside of the motorhome, and she was pouring, (coughs) excuse me, transmission fluid in that thing coming down the road because it was so hot that the transmission fluid was puking out of the bottom of the transmission. It did cook the transmission. When I got back, the way I cured, I had uh, full synthetics in the engine, so it didn't take out the engine. But... When I got back to Tucson, I bought a factory, heavy duty motorhome fan clutch for it. It cost four times what the other one did. However, it was still working when I sold the motorhome. So uh, sometimes you just, you don't cheat on things that can keep you out on the road. It's just like uh, tires. When we tell you to inspect your tires, The tire temperatures go up and down like a daggone yo-yo when you're running up down the freeways in the state of Arizona. The road temperature, as Jim and I have discussed on the show numerous times, it'll get up to 167 degrees because the road is just sitting there, absorbing heat. And if it's asphalt, it gets hotter than the concrete does. Concrete gets hot enough. Asphalt just is stupid. And, That will actually cause tires to go up. Dry tires, dry sidewalls. Welcome to Arizona. Have UVs that like to eat rubber and take the moisture out of the rubber. And the elasticity come out. And so now you're driving on a piece of concrete as a sidewall, and you got all that wheat going down on it. It goes up, and then all of a sudden your tire starts coming apart. And people go out and they buy one tire. Really? (laughs) You better look... Have somebody that knows what they're looking at look at the other set of the other four tires. Uh, getting the right tires for the car, the speed-rated tires. You have cars out there that run 190 miles an hour now. Hopefully you don't do it on the freeway. But these tires are speed-rated, so when you replace the speed-rated tires, get ready. You're going to pay a lot more money than you're going to pay for something that goes on the bottom end of a Honda with a four-cylinder in it. But you need the tire that come on with the car itself because that's what, if you have a wreck or something, everybody and their brother's going to be looking at everything on that car that has anything to do with safety. If you put a lesser tire on there and it happens that the problem was caused by a blown tire, you've got a problem, Houston. You've got a problem. So don't gamble with the safety items on a car. Don't overpay, but don't gamble. Got anything you want to add to that? We're about top of the hour.
1: Just about out of time there. Um, when you're working on the car, the um, uh, under the hood, uh, you, you, you mentioned about working on one that's running. I mean, I, I know it's real common practice you'll, Unless you're do it for a living, then you have that cart right beside you. People will work on the car with the tools underneath the hood, and they'll just lay them within arm's reach, which is you know on the valve cover or you know on the firewall or in the in the, on the grill or something. Sometimes you lay them on the engine and oh, you're not know, yeah. paying attention. <laughs> so, you know, I've I've watched it happen. Uh, started up when the wrench comes loose and falls down.